Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. It is the Monday after Notre Dame's 39-10 victory over Nevada. I'm Tim Priester with Pete Sampson and Tim O'Malley. And, you know, I think last year when we, or excuse me, last week when we started the, the show on Monday, I started by saying there were a lot of good things that happened today. And, of course, they lost the football game. But really in two weeks, there have been a lot of young quality, talented football players that have emerged for Notre Dame. More so against Nevada, of course, than, than against Texas. Yeah, I mean, that's what the game was supposed to be about, and it was. Uh, and it was just sort of a game where Notre Dame took care of business. You know, the But to me, the story of the game is still Sean Carver. The most important thing that happened in the game was Sean Carver's Achilles tendon tower. Um, you know, everything else that happened was, was fine. Kaiser played very well. Got some young receivers who were the first career catches. Uh... Dalen Hayes, Khalid Kareem got in. Dante Vaughn got in. Uh, Devin Sussel played the whole game. Uh, there's a there's a lot to like about Notre Dame's defense in 2018, based off Saturday. Uh, but the Sean Crawford injury is something that's going to affect them right now, and I'm not sure. I look at that secondary and feel like they're going to be able to hold up consistently the rest of the way. Fortunately, they play a lot of unproven quarterbacks and maybe not a lot of good quarterbacks, so that will help the cause. But um, there is a lot of pressure on the secondary now with Crawford out. Look, we like Nick Coleman and we like Dante Vaughn from camp and Troy Pride and Julian Love, but they also don't have their backup to Sean Crawford, and it's Nick Watkins. So they are on quarter number four in game number three, and I don't know what they were going to do with the nickel. It looked like maybe Julian Love was going to be the nickel. They're going to give that a shot with Crawford on the left side. Now I think they have to, and you got to go with Nick Coleman, who is better than he looked against Texas. I think every media member that covered Notre Dame in August was impressed with Nick Coleman. He looked clearly it did not work out for him against Texas, but he's better than that. But no matter what, he's their fourth corner because Nick Watkins was their third corner, and uh, it doesn't seem like he's going to play this year, according to Brian Kelly on Sunday. Yeah, I, I, Pete, I agree with you. I mean, I don't think you can overestimate the the loss here, at Sean Crawford, and I don't even think we saw. You know, we haven't even seen the best That's of Sean great Crawford point, because yet. Because people are probably wondering why we're saying this. He right. is he is very good. He's so competitive. He was beaten on that play and turned it into from your whatever your point of view is a pass breakup or a force fumble, and he, that's just the type of player we he is. saw. Because, and, and again, because it was a practice situation, we saw the best of Sean Crawford, so we know what he was capable of doing, and we hadn't even really seen that. Uh, you know, against Texas, although, you know, I mean, his presence on the field is, is so significant because he's the fastest corner they have. He has th- the best recovery of any defensive back that they have. Um, it's a significant loss. I do think Coleman competed very, very well. I think Julian Love is maybe a guy that may end up pressing or could end up pressing for time, although he's now, nickel. Nickel, yeah, yeah. he's now the nickel. Yeah, he's now the nickelback. Different position, but... I continue to love what we see from Devin Studd still. He's a player. He's a physical player. He's enthusiastic out there. So I think he brings them some things. But there, there's no doubt. I mean, this is a significant loss. 
and we'll see when it really shows up depending upon the development of the opposing quarterbacks. Yeah, you know, in terms of Notre Dame offensively, Sean Kaiser, I thought, played really well. I, I think that we need to probably check the term great on him now just because we've seen you know, the highest end. Yeah, this, I, this was really good. I'm holding him to Great. a ridiculous standard at yeah. times now because the three incompletions, those are the ones. Yeah, no, I, 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 I was yeah. thinking that he missed those two throws that he should have hit. I actually. He should have. Yeah, I regular need, good But I need to dial it back because I, I expect realize. him to be perfect. Yeah. Because Everything else he is. Was. So, yeah. He didn't miss anything else. <laughs> yeah, it definitely says a lot about where he is as a quarterback. And it, it he is everything that Brian Kelly wants in a quarterback, which is, I think, why ultimately we thought he was going to win the job anyway. He's a pass-first guy who can run. He leads exactly the way you want to lead. He speaks to the media exactly the way you want your starting quarterback to speak to the media. It's, I mean, you, you listen to him post-game, and he's so self-critical that it, it... I don't want to say it feels disingenuous, but it almost feels unhuman um, the way he reacts to stuff. So it's... He's everything that Brian Kelly could, could ever want a quarterback. So that is going to get you a long, long way this season. Will it get you beyond a secondary that doesn't have enough athletes? I don't know. Will it get you beyond a pass rush that is yet to register a sack? I don't know. And those but go hand has, in hand. It, so but much. it has to because that's Notre Dame's really only out this, the rest of the season. I guess it means their run defense has to be lights out because yeah. you – any secondary and pass rush can come together on third and nine, if that's the case all the time. But when it's a lot of third and fours, you're just so vulnerable. Yeah, and situation. I thought it was interesting, Brian Kelly's description of... Isn't it funny how we have a new description of how Notre Dame's defense should function? Base defense on first and second down. Third down, you know, you use some exotics, which which uh, Van Gorder did. As God intended. Yeah, I mean, it kind of, yeah, it kind of <laughs> is. You don't, you don't have to reinvent the wheel on first down every, every series, and... And it looked pretty good. I mean, they stopped a good running back against a, a veteran offensive line. It's still Nevada, any way you look at it. But, you know, Nevada averaged 211 yards rushing a game last year. It could have been that kind of game, and Notre Dame didn't allow it to be. So that's significant progress over the previous week, regardless of the opponent. Yeah, Brian Kelly said that he, he liked Tavon Coney and James Onwalu the way they both played. I would totally agree. I thought Niles Warner was fine. Um, it's but, a good linebacker. I yeah, mean, yeah. I, I, those are three really nice athletes. I told Tim. <laughs> I told Tim the reason. <laughs> The reason I wanted Martinez to start over Coney was because I'd never seen Coney play. <laughs> it's, but it's the opposite. It's, it's the opposite yeah. of a fan yeah. that likes recruiting. You yeah. want to see Coney it's play because like, you've never seen him play. That's like an anti-message. I know. Yeah, I, know. Yes. I mean, of course I saw him in high school, and I, and I liked what he did. I thought he was productive. He ended up being taller than we thought he was. But, yeah, I wanted Martini in the game because I'd see Martini be productive in Notre Dame uniform. Coney's a good football player. He's a physical football player. And with Morgan, that's a very physical inside duel. Those are two guys that when they hit you, you go backwards. And, I mean, you mentioned Texas game. You felt like Greer Martini was catching more than he tackling. Um, Tavon Coney is a tackler. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's, a, that's an now, upgrade. Now, in fairness to Martini, you know, I mean. He, he had Texas. He, he had, had Nevada. He had Texas and <laughs> Coney had Nevada. So now, now Coney will get a little taste of that against Michigan State this you know, week. You know what might have worked is if Coney would have had Texas in a 4-3. Instead of Martini in a three three well, five. Well, that's an. You want, you should know, we add that to the list of reasons know. why the three three five sucked? <laughs> that game is going to go down as the all time oh media and fan lament in the history of the Brian Kelly era. What the plan? What the plan? <laughs> it, was like, it was like an entire defensive game plan of going for two. <laughs> at the wrong time. Every play. At the wrong time. Yeah, every play was going for two. Although it worked for Jack Del Rio yesterday. Yeah. 
in terms of, I guess, yeah, Notre Dame's defensive identity, do we have one yet? And I guess I felt like watching the game, I'm a big sliding scale person when it comes to evaluating and factoring in the opponents. Um, but I do think it, it sets up Notre Dame very well for Michigan State this week in terms of getting out there and running that kind of defense um, and, and how effective it was. I, you, you felt good about watching Notre yeah. Dame run its base defense. Yeah, I I mean, Daniel Cage, what they needed, what you need in a base defense against Michigan State and a couple other teams on the schedule is strong nose tackle play. You're going to get it from Daniel Cage. Now that he's your, your starter because he's more consistent, that makes Deron Jones a pretty effective player. If he can come in and you, you know Deron Jones is going to play hard against Michigan State. Like those are the type of games yeah, he plays hard. And I thought he played in. harder and better as the game went on against yeah. Nevada, which is a good sign. They do for need him. Jay Hayes to be in good health against Michigan State. I think. Otherwise, I think I know where they're going to run. Yeah, I think I'm going to. Yeah. I mean, how many realistically? How many effective snaps can you expect out of Hayes in this game? We 10, have a, 10, 12. 10 would be fine. Ten would yeah. be a, a would be a start. Is that why we have a question on the board about Jay Hayes? So maybe we, right, we'll, we'll deal with that we'll, later. Uh, yeah, we'll skip but, that for now. Uh, yeah, I think that. You can't have a stand-up pass rusher, which is what Andrew Trombetti and Dalen Hayes probably are right now, all the game long in, in obvious run situations against Michigan State. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the one thing about you talk about the we were talking about base defense, first and second, nickel on third down. That's great, but that shouldn't mean you'd never rush the passer on first or second down. <laughs> like, it's okay to get a sack on first or second down. And the way they're configured right now with Trombetti, Tillery, Cage, Rochelle, you just don't you don't have a pass rusher out there. I would I'd be really wary of bumping up Dalen Hayes' workload against Michigan mm-hmm. State to include first or second down. Um, but that's where I give back to Jay Hayes. He might not be a great pass rusher, but he's a very stout athlete yeah. in a way that Trombetti is not. So if you can get him and that's your four man line, Cage, Tillery, Rochelle, Jay Hayes, that's a pretty good group. They did get sort six quarterback hurries, which Again, when you consider the inexperience of the quarterbacks that Notre Dame faces, you know they're not going to get a ton of sacks. Sometimes hurries are good enough, sure. especially it's against third, an, especially yeah. third down. I mean, Ty, I think Tyler Stewart was affected by being chased or having somebody in his face on those six hurries. He's it's not also, very good. Yeah, I was going to say he was affected by a lack of talent. Yeah, he's not. He's, <laughs> not, he's, he's, he's not very good. But he has been better than ten of twenty-three. You know, as he was against Notre Dame. Yeah, well, all right. Well, that's it for segment one on Irish Illustrated Insider. We've got a bunch of questions from our readers next, so we'll get into all that in segment two. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. We're at segment two, burning up the boards, where Porta ND asks, what's the deal with Jay Hayes? If he's truly not healthy enough for snaps, why would he be risked for only five to six garbage time snaps? On Saturday against Nevada. Let's get back in the flow. I mean, it's not like Jay Hayes played 25 games. You know, if Jay Hayes was a veteran who had played a lot, I, I agree. You just trot him out there against Michigan State for the first time. But I think it was his fourth career game. First since the uh, Music City Bowl. Yeah, I, I'd say, you know, testing it out. See how you feel. Get good treatment this week. Um, but, I mean, considering the high ankle sprain prognosis, which is usually, like, season-ending sometimes, <laughs> it feels like. It's good that he played, because <laughs> now you know he definitely will play against Michigan yeah. State. I think he's, he needs more than 10 snaps that Pete referenced in the last segment, though. If he's capable at well, all. Well, that's what I was trying to well, How many effective snacks, snaps can you count on? If you told me, if you said 10, I'd take it. You'd take that, of course. Mm-hmm. 
you'd like it to be a little bit more. But look, when a guy's coming back from an injury, you know, you, you reach different plateaus, different levels of recovery. He had reached the point where, okay, he's good enough to get back in there, but he's not 100%. So Notre Dame doesn't want to put him in a high leverage situation. They got him in in the second half. He had a good, a really nice late pass rush um, in the fourth quarter and gotten, I, I believe, maybe Ganji was in by then. But we'll see more of them, and they need a lot more of them this week. I'm curious to see if, like, perhaps he was deemed ready to go last Thursday, which means you're not even part of the game plan at that point. If you're all of a sudden, hey, Jay Hayes, give me some time. He's ready to go. You're barely part of the game plan at that point, so yeah. that's why he wouldn't do that. But if he's fully healthy, maybe he's part of the game plan. Look, Michigan State's going to run 65 plays. Um, figure third down's 15 of them. Um, if Jay Hayes can give you cover 25% of those first yeah. and second down plays, which is you know 10 to 15 steps, yeah. great. I, I, that's a pretty good place for Notre Dame to be. Yeah. Uh, Fresh1619 asks, how would you rate the tight end play through two games? They are invisible in the pass receiving game, but is that because they are blocking well? No, yeah, I wouldn't I, say I, it's because they're blocking no, well. They I, would, run. I wouldn't rate them at all. I, I Not mean, it's, it's yeah. like incomplete. You'd be generous to give them an incomplete. Um, that position is completely anonymous right now. Invisible, as Fresh sixteen nineteen said, it's been, I, I, it's been a disappointment. Both throws to a tight end in the Texas game. One should not have occurred, should have been intercepted, and the other one was seven yard out to Durham Smythe. That's the only time they looked at him. I don't think they're open. It's not like we're looking at We look. We all watched. They weren't open against Texas. We watched. The three of us watched separately every snap of that game. It wasn't like I was looking at Nick Wisher running by or carving out space and getting open, which, I mean, I'm not going to be surprised anymore because well, I mean, Brian, <laughs> this just doesn't know, work it, out from August. It but, was addressed know. on Sunday in his teleconference. Brian Kelly said they're in the progressions. You know, it really, he didn't say this, but, I mean, that really comes down to Kaiser then getting to that part of the progression and going to him. But, look, Stefferson established himself on yeah. Saturday. Sanders established himself. Corey Holmes had one catch, his first career catch, a huge one. Third and 14, gained 15, ran a good route, uh, avoided a tackle to get to the first down. They threw to Claypool. St. Brown continues to – there's a lot of people that we want to see catch the football. The tight ends are – Really kind of last on the priority list right now. Notre Dame's fourth best receiver, probably Stefferson. We're counting Hunter in there. Fourth best receiver, Stefferson, is a much bigger weapon for Brian Kelly than the tight end is right, right now. That's what you have to look at because you can't play them all at the same time. doesn't mean you should ignore tight ends. I mean, I, I think they could have a role on third down, and Nick Wisher could be a guy to use at some point. But the, the receivers, the young guys, they are better right now than the tight ends. And back when Notre Dame was playing two and three tight ends, it's because those tight ends were better than the backup receivers. Here, here's the progression for Deshaun Kaiser. One, Torrey Hunter. Two, Ecclemanius St. Brown. Three, C.J. Sanders. Four, Josh Adams. Five, run it myself. Six, tight ends. <laughs> they're the sixth option. Yeah. And that's okay. I mean, because the other five no, options th- are pretty good. I think they're further down than that. I think <laughs> Six, why isn't there another receiver in the game? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, there, for the there receiver, are some not other young receivers that you would, you'd rather <laughs> He's doing a real play, though. You yeah. can't have nine guys Oh, I got you. Oh, I got you. Oh, okay. I got you. Is McGlinchey open? Is McGlinchey open? Shovel pass? <laughs> CJ Irish fan, it's obvious the O-line is not as cohesive as we expected. The talent and coaching is there, but can this group get it together for Michigan State? It's a good question. I think it's a legitimate question. I don't think that they've meshed yet. You know, I, I thought it was interesting, the, the comment that Harry Heastan made to the NBC broadcasters pregame uh, Friday night, I guess was that, you know, it's not like McGlinchey and Nelson are r- really experienced starting offensive linemen, and McGlinchey's playing a new 
position, and it, I think it kind of looks like it. They're they're not meshed. I'm, I'm really not sure how they could be when you consider how little starting experience they have and how little that they've played together. We have the expectation that they are, and then we don't help anything when we come out of uh, a practice and 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 you know praise McGlinchey and Nelson because they're burying people. That that doesn't speak to uh, cohesion and meshing. They're just not there yet. So will they mesh to the extent that we would like to see against a Michigan State? You, you know where the Michigan State ranks on my first-rate chart in D-line, linebacker, secondary? Not low. Real high. <laughs> Real high. So, um, you know, maybe not. It's probably going to be a low-scoring game or lower scoring. I think. I mean, it's going to happen at some point, and I think it's sort of the opponent is almost irrelevant to me. Um, at some point, this line will just, oh, we haven't figured out. It's going to happen. The light, could, the light it could be up. Duke. It could be Duke. Could be Duke. Could be Stanford. Could be Virginia Tech. Um, but I'm just. It could happen at any moment. Uh, but I, I agree with the the tenor of the question, where Glenchy yeah. and Nelson haven't been as amazing no. as we thought they, they were. They haven't going to be. been. They haven't. But somebody said bad. They haven't been bad. They, no. They've been inconsistent. When they're good, they're really good. Yeah. They're still. I mean, they're still. They're so physically gifted. When they're good, they're really good. Well, that's why it's a good question because cohesion. It's not that those guys aren't making plays on their own, but the offensive line is at least four firing as one, if not five guys doing yeah. everything right. I mean, mm-hmm. you still... you can have four guys on every running play, do their job, or it can't be successful. The it's fifth still... guy maybe backside doesn't have to, but really, it's got to be four out of five on every running play yeah. and I five think... out of five on passing plays. I think Mustafer's gotten off to a good yeah. start. I, I, I think. I think we see bars lunging a little too much, um, and McGovern's probably been better than than expected up to this point. I, I mean, I think their pass pro has been fine. Yeah, um, we'll see this weekend against Malik McDowell because so the opponent might matter more than being consequential. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, yeah let's judge yeah. let's judge Mustafer after uh, after that game. Yeah. That's a that's a real nice challenge for him. Any Davis too. When does Dexter Williams start taking more meaningful reps from Torrey and Fulston? Fulston looks slow, hesitant, lacking vision, and just very rusty overall. Take away the big run, and he's at 2.5 yards per carry on the year. I'm writing about this this morning in the Monday musings. you got to get Dexter Williams involved to help the running game and to preserve. It makes Terry and Fulston better over the course of three months because he is not the same guy that he was. But he's an invaluable player because they trust him. For he protects the football. He protects the football. They trust him in that situation. They'll trust him to make. In crunch time, you're going to have Torkin Folsom there. Probably I would have Josh Adams because I trust Josh Adams and so do they. But Dexter Williams is an explosive runner where you just got to get him five of Folston's carries. Folston can still impact a game losing a few carries. And Dexter Williams has some giddy up. <laughs> he can get there in a hurry. Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying there. I mean, he's loaded. I'm glad he's only... Five nine and a half, five ten. He's built low to the ground. He bends at the knees. He, but he's got the thing that he has that that Folson doesn't is just that acceleration. That twenty three yard run. He bounced off the back of Nelson and then just shot out of there. And so, I mean, you don't want to abandon Tari and Folson. He's an older no, guy, no, no, no. and he's a, he's a, he's a stable piece to your offense. But it's a legit question because uh, Williams has has a lot of ability. Of note, Autry Denson, the first thing he said about Dexter Williams in August is how good his blocking is in pass protection. So there are very few reasons oh. why he cannot be in oh, the game Oh, well, that's point. interesting. This question strikes me two ways. One, I'm glad something we wrote about in August is true in September. <laughs> 
Two, it reminds me a little bit of the questions we got four years ago when I was like, when is Sierra Wood going to start taking carries from Theo Riddick? Because Theo Riddick clearly is not the best back on the 2012 team. Torian Folston will play a role. It will probably be a really important one by the end of the year, but I do like what I've seen from Dexter Williams. Uh, Irish Bob, how confident are you in the next man in philosophy as it applies to the Nordam secondary? I'm not. On a scale of 1 to 10? Well, at this point, I'm confident if another injury happens, because I don't think there's a big of a drop-off anymore. But <laughs> <laughs> That's, there, a, that's, a that's one point. way yeah. of looking at it. The other part's over. It's, yeah. There's no Sean Crawford, and there's probably no Nick Watkins. What's <laughs> the worst that could happen? It, it already did. It, Wait it just a happened now. I, 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 you know, if you had to go to Jalen Elliott as opposed to Dennis oh, Studstill, yeah. that yeah, would be... Probably, but I'm thinking, I mean, I think Dante Vaughn and Troy Pride are going to be part of the season, and I like Nick Coleman, but the drop-off isn't as bad as it is now. We've, we've hit the drop-off point. Yeah. We really haven't. I mean, I, I'm not sure about Pride at this point. Certainly Love like and elevated, Vaughn. He gets yeah. elevated to varsity, though, is what I'm saying, right? He has to. Why, uh, love and Vaughn are. I don't know that... That's four corners, so maybe you have Coleman to have fifth. And, yeah. Yeah. I don't mean in every game. I mean, <laughs> you got to start getting guys ready. Yeah, you do. You do. It's look. It's a it's a bad situation. They're in a. It's a good thing that they're facing a lot of inexperienced quarterbacks. I mean, imagine if you were facing Connor Cook this week. Can you imagine if you were facing Connor Cook? It'd really be scary. the The spread wouldn't be seven and a half in North. So you're saying favor. A, yeah, schedule with Connor Cook, Kevin Hogan, Cody Kessler, uh, Cody Kessler, Jacoby Brissett, Deshaun yeah. Watson. Yeah, probably not so good. Yeah. Oh, James I mean, just, good just like the teams oh, on yeah. this year's schedule, if they had their quarterbacks last year, Keen Reynolds, yeah, you would be in bad shape. I mean, you still have Brad Kaya to deal with, but um, yeah, it's I like I like the the turn the defense has taken as it relates to 2018 because um, I do I do like the athletes that they have at the back end of the defense right now, whereas I feel like in the past they've had they've had some guys who have been okay athletes. But you know, you look at Vaughn. Um, I think Pride. We don't know. Love. I, I love. I'm not sure about. But he's definitely could be a good nickelback. Well, I, I don't know he, if he's somebody you want streaking 20 yards down the field to cover. I think he's such a smart player. He'll just be a guy that is always one of their five or six guys that's playing Tyus for Farley the next yeah for the next four yeah. years. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. See, you that. guys are naming. I mean, this is what struck me about the Nevada game, and that's what when you play Nevada, you see these uh, you see their opportunities for guys. But I mean, look at the athletes you just named. Now add, you know, Sanders, St. Brown, Stefferson, Claypool. You know, you start to look around. And it's like, dang, they're they are they are definitely starting to add some real athletes to this roster. I like. The way the wide receivers look right now, athletically, it's time to pump the brakes on that for one week because Nevada's sliding scale, secondary versus Michigan State, is a heck of a lot there's, different. What they're going to look, what they're going to encounter with this, the there's no doubt about that. There are definitely going to be some snaps where Echomania St. Brown does not move one yard in his route. It's remember Devaris Daniels against Michigan State jammed up at the line. Yeah, it's it's not it's going to be tough sledding compared to what they just encountered. And it's you know. And on a good defense, really from front to back, the back is probably the most talented, good the though. deepest part <laughs> good, of because it's bad when the front's the most talented. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in every well, in every realm, it's, it's bad when the front is the most talented. Yeah. So that's good. 
CPU yeah. 15. Can we talk recruiting? This isn't a playoff <laughs> team. Playing young guys and adding talent to the defense and wide receiver is most important. Any momentum or new names to watch? I would just bench Kaiser at this point and go with Wimbush. Just, we go into the future, right? Move on. Come on. They're 1-1. One one. What do they need to be out there Kaiser, for? Yeah, Kaiser's leaving anyway. He's leaving anyway. What does he need to be out there well, for? A ton of freshmen and sophomores are playing right now. So, I mean, they're building for the present, building for the future. They do need, I mean, and this week will be interesting just from a recruiting standpoint because you got somebody like Donovan Jeter coming in six foot six, 260 pound defensive end, quick defensive tackle. That's a guy they don't sign very often, certainly not enough. Um, so, yeah, I, I understand the recruiting question more so when it comes to defensive line and maybe even linebacker recruiting, even though they have three guys committed. Um, offensive line is fine. I think secondary, they will be just fine, especially when you look at last year's class and some of the guys we all mentioned. Tight end, obviously fine. They have two top guys coming in next year, and maybe they need that more than we would have expected based on what we've seen and haven't seen from that position. So They might not lose a wide receiver this year. Yeah. It, it is the year where you can just you can, where everybody's you can stop now and do great next year because you have very good freshmen, very good sophomores. and You expect Hunter to be gone, though. I, yeah, I expect him to be gone, but I mean, he's... He's got to play better to yeah. go anywhere besides just graduate and stop playing football. But yeah. I, he's the one. And look, if Corey Holmes ever develops, he's got three more years. The whole sophomore class has three more years, and all the freshmen have three or four. So I well, think they have three now. Oh, McKinley They've did play. Played. McKinley did play. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's pretty good going into uh, if you're looking for the future. Yeah, and I mean, look, running back, they're fine. Yeah, I mean, they've got McK- one one of those two sophomore backs will be a senior. McKinley. Could still preserve a year. They could have the. They could have a phantom injury, broken, uh, a broken heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean, it's still. It, it conceivably he could still DNP, DNP preserve. Wised up. <laughs> I guess you could say that about all the freshmen, but he's a guy that's not probably not going to be in the mix. Hard, yeah, hard to see where he's. In so the if he were to have any type of injury that would set him back in practice, they could still make the claim. Happens at least once every other it, year. It right? does. There's... It does. It ha- and it happens everywhere. Final question: Blue Chip Man, Michigan State ranked number twelve after an unimpressive win in their opening scrimmage against Furman, beating them twenty-eight thirteen. The Citadel beat Thur- Furman on Saturday. An unimpressive performance by Michigan State's new quarterback, and no chance to improve on the field. Has Michigan State had a bye with bye in the second week? What are your initial thoughts on how this bodes for Notre Dame's defense and Notre Dame's offense? It, this is interesting in that. That you know, you you go you go in going into this, you look at this and say, okay, well they play firm and they have the week off, but really it's kind of become an advantage for Notre Dame. They they, I mean, young guys have gotten experience. The the staff has a better idea of what they're working with. Michigan State still isn't sure because they did struggle against Furman, and they didn't. You know, we keep talking about how physical Michigan State is, and they are. I mean, that's yeah. who the program is. That's who Mark D'Antonio is. That's how they run their defense, but. They really didn't show that against Furman. They they had 19 first downs. They didn't even reach 20 first downs against a, a team like that. Now, defensively, they still only gave up 226 yards. It's just all difficult to measure against Furman, but I, I, I think there are more questions than answers for Michigan State right now, whereas with Notre Dame after two games, you feel like they have a lot more answers than Michigan State does. I think Notre Dame's advantage is they're starting to form their identity by playing these two games and getting tested in the first one. And Michigan State's advantage is they didn't lose one of their ten best players to a torn Achilles tendon no in game two. No doubt. Because yeah. Notre Dame's already had a 
giant personnel loss. For the, I, for I'd Nathan. say if you could take the Sean Crawford injury out of it, the advantage would be 100% on Notre Dame's side having played two games against one and a half real opponents versus Michigan State having essentially a scrimmage where they didn't, where I agree, they did not look that good. So I, there's, there's still some advantages for Notre Dame, the young guys who got in, that's all significant to me. Um, Kaiser being the clear number one, that's significant to me. And, you know, just, you know, Jay Hayes getting back. So there's, there's a lot to like about Notre Dame's position. Is there a seven-point spread of things to like about Notre Dame uh, over Michigan State right now? I'm not sure I would go that far. But I, I think in the end, playing two games versus playing one is, is an advantage for Notre Dame. Yeah, and I don't know that we, looked at, we didn't look at it that way uh, preseason. Uh, a couple other things. Michigan State, 10 penalties, although Notre Dame had nine, had nine, Dame had, had nine yesterday. Uh, if you want to see the tight end involved in the offense, Josiah Price will likely be involved in what Michigan State does. He has 17 touchdowns in his career, and he's great. only got now we're he doesn't have that many touches. I know a question I mean, it's, uh, it's a great <laughs> recruiting story, too, because he was from kind of a, a small Indiana town. Notre Dame looked at him for a second, but... Not more than really? a second. Um, <laughs> and I think when he went to Michigan State, there wasn't an expectation that he was going to be a guy. He has not had a lot of touches in his career, but he's got 17 touchdowns. Also, Donnie Corley, of course, Notre Dame recruited him, and he, he caught two passes for 17 yards with an 11-yard 11, uh, 11 run. We love L.J. Scott, one of Tim's favorite oh. running backs based upon his big play against Iowa in the Big Ten Championship game like last a year. genius on that carry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you watch... You just Google L.J. Scott game-winning touchdown and watch what he does with the football to get in to go to the playoffs. Man, I like that in a running back. <laughs> Let me just give you, an, and again, this is not that the, the first-rate summer series that I do is is always correct, but just, and again, this is Notre Dame's 12 opponents and Notre Dame, so it's 1 through 13, ranking 1 through 13. We, we had Michigan State with the third-best offensive line, even though they only had two guys coming back, but still... Uh, the second best defensive line, the best linebacking core, and I have them as the second best secondary behind uh, USC, just because USC had like eight guys yeah. coming back that all contributed. But this is a really, really good defense, and it's a it's a great test for Notre Dame. That's why I thought Nevada was a good test for Notre Dame because it gave them an opportunity to challenge themselves in some areas, but to take advantage of some shortcomings that Nevada had. I mean, I, I can't overstate it. I put it in my Sunday column. This game, you're either 2-1 and one and ranked number 10 or in the top 10, or 1-2 and two and reeling after the weekend. Yeah. That's what Texas did to you. You're totally off the map. That's what a three three five does to you, for crying yeah. out loud. All right. <laughs> well, when we're going to be back Thursday, we probably won't talk about the three three five for the first time in a few podcasts at that point. We will dive all into Michigan State. We'll have a recruiting segment with our Jake Brown then. So until Thursday, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, Pete Sampson, you've been listening to Irish Illustrated Insight.